Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany. And this is Standing BTS. Yes. Yes. Welcome to another wonderful episode where we get to hang out for about an hour and just talk about BTS. What a wonderful hour it is too. But disclaimer, this is a comedy fangirl podcast. That means that we're going to fangirl, laugh, and learn a little bit along the way. Yep, that's right. This is an explicit podcast, though, so if you aren't cool with that, you can dip out now. We won't blame you. Totally. But if you're down for some, Jungkook is back to wrecking the fuck out of me. <laughs> or Young is the most beautiful and perfect little blueberry I've ever seen. Oh, then you're in the right place <laughs> because of his blue hair. Little blueberry. Mm -hmm, Because of his, yeah, he looks like a little blueberry. So cute. I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So today, because soon Big Hit will be debuting a new group, we thought that it would be fun to talk about trainee life and specifically the lives of BTS as trainees. Um, But Mm -hmm. before we get into it, we have to thank you wonderful armies for being here and for supporting us. If you're a fan of this show and you want to show your support for us, you can do that by first telling people about this podcast. Uh, Secondly, you could write a review on Apple Podcasts or really whatever platform you listen on. And then thirdly, if you want to go above and beyond and show us a extra support you can do that by donating monthly to our patreon at patreon.com slash standing bts yeah or if you'd like you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash standing bts podcast your support helps us to improve the quality of our content and to continue putting out weekly episodes and again any type of support is super appreciated Yeah, so appreciated. Okay, so like I said, today we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a trainee, like what it was like for BTS as trainees as much as we could find out. Um, But to preface all of that, we're just going to kind of talk about the average life of a trainee in Korea. But first, we want to say that like, not all companies are the same. Um, every single entertainment company has its own rules and regulations and different processes that they focus on for their trainees in preparation for a debut. Um, so this definitely does not cover everybody, but it's just kind of a general idea. And there's a lot of information out there about what it's like to be a trainee in the K-pop industry, um, but not all of the resources are that reliable, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So our description of a trainee life is mostly referenced to trainee stories shared by 
Mad Towns HO from JYP. And then we found this really lovely girl on YouTube, and her account is Subeenie underscore. Um, and they both shared their kind of stories of what it's like to be a trainee. Mm-hmm. When you become a trainee, you first have to audition. And typically auditions will have 10 people go in the room at one time to start off with. And there's one cameraman and then one other person who's kind of like observing you and taking notes. And so the talents that people typically audition for are singing, rapping, dancing, acting, and modeling. And most people only audition with one talent, maybe two talents. But what they have you do is they ask you to perform in front of the camera, like at different angles. Mm. And this is really coming from Sue Beanie on YouTube. Um, this is what her experience was like when she when she auditioned. Okay. Um, I think it's also important to note that not everyone auditions directly through a company. Um, There's also several TV shows through which you can audition for that eventually develop into a group. Um, Some big famous groups that joined through survival shows of this type include Twice, Big Bang, Seventeen, Wanna One, and Pentagon. Yeah, and those are really big names. Mm -hmm. So these like survival shows are a big deal in in K-pop and in Korea. Because, like, we have survival shows here, but only a few people really become big afterwards. Like, even, you know, if you win it, you don't always... You're not guaranteed immense success, like, what, Twice and Big Bang and Seventeen, yeah. Right. But also what's interesting about these Korean survival shows is that after, like, a year, then it's over and they break up. Like, Twice is one of the only groups that, like, have stayed together past when they were supposed to be done as a group. Just, like, the survival show winning it doesn't guarantee, like, oh, now you're a group forever. It's like, oh, now you're a group for a year, which, I don't know, kind of sucks. Yeah, some of them just disband after a year. Yeah, it's strange. Because, like, they'll have huge success Mm -hmm. and then they they will just disband after a year. That's, like, all their contract is signed for. Yeah. The industry definitely moves quickly. For sure. So, H.O. from Madtown said that when he auditioned, his only skill was dancing. And so, for JYP specifically, he went in with a routine for his audition. But then they asked him to freestyle dance in addition to his routine that he prepared. He kind of struggled with this because he wasn't expecting that. He he said that he knew his routine and he always practiced really hard for dance. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he he never really freestyled. So they kind of just like threw that out at him. So I suppose during these auditions, sometimes they'll have you go outside of your comfort zone or challenge you a little bit. Yeah. Generally, once you pass an audition... They will either call you back for another audition or they will just bring you in and have you sign like a a trainee contract, basically. Mm -hmm. So they begin to train you and they start with whatever your weakest skill is. So if you auditioned as a dancer, they'll usually start you with like vocal training or rapping, considering which they feel best fits for you or what category they think that you'll you'll suit best. That's really interesting that like 
they kind of attack the weakest skill first. Because it's what you're lacking and it's what you're going to need the most training on, I suppose. Right, right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So once a trainee signs, um, they sign a contract that says you cannot audition or train for another company. And if that contract is broken, then the trainee has to pay a fee that's equivalent to the amount the company has invested in you. And this includes things like living expenses, lessons, practices, and meals. Um, And then they're given meal tickets to eat for the cafeteria. Some companies give you an allowance of either 5,000 to 7,000 won a day for food, which is equivalent to like four to six USD. Yeah. So not much much. for a whole day to only have about four to six dollars for all of your meals. So for Soon Beanie on YouTube, as a female trainee, she said that she was weighed every day. Oh my God. Every day they weighed her, which I think is terrible. Terrible. Not only are you so stressed with training and and getting better, um, you're also having to be concerned about maintaining a weight every day. And so some of the girls were put on diets, is what she said. And what she thought was kind of like a catch-22 is that in order to be on these diets, you were expected to eat healthy food. But how can you afford healthy food on an allowance of 4 to $6 every day? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's like so, mm-hmm. so little money for having to have healthy food. Also, psychologically, like getting weighed every day. I just know like for me, yeah. that would be really difficult, especially knowing how much a, your weight can fluctuate day to day just based yeah. on like the food that you're eating, the amount of like exercise or activity you did or the amount of water you mm-hmm. drank or, you know, like a ton of different right. things. If you're on your period I mean really it fluctuates with any tiny little thing and she even pointed that out she said she was grateful that her weight never fluctuated that much but a lot of her friends you know naturally fluctuated in weight and it really would stress them out yeah I bet so another thing is phones are strictly monitored for some companies the circumstances is that they're not allowed to use social media and there's typically restrictions on texting the opposite gender. Some companies will even go as far to do random phone inspections. And so this just really, I think a lot of people know about this rule, Mm -hmm. especially with how controversy it is to date in the K-pop industry. But even as a trainee, there's very, very strict dating rules. Like she said that some people would go as far to like delete male contacts from their phones or for males deleting female contacts. Wow. And it's just super strict. And imagine how that affects your social life Mm -hmm. and staying in contact with even like friends and family that, you know, you can't even use social media. Yeah. I mean, it's really giving up a huge chunk of your life and like people that you talk to, like you said, friends and family to pursue this dream. But To a lot of people, I mean, it's worth it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the passion. It's all about the passion. So what's also interesting is that most trainees are under the age of 20 and 21. And some trainees can even be as young as elementary school age. 
uh, which to me, that was surprising. Like I knew that there'd be like middle school aged trainees at times, but elementary school children like working towards this passion and this dream almost seems like I, you know, it was just surprising. Yeah. Cause I mean, nine, 10, 10 years old. Yeah. I mean, really, how do you know that's what you want to do? No. Yeah, how and do how know? can you even reason for or or speak for yourself really like fully at that point you know like just in terms of like maturing and just growing I can idolize artists at a really young age but I don't know for sure that's exactly what I want to do and they can get caught up in this kind of not terrible industry but caught up in this What's the word I'm looking for? It's a really fast industry that a lot of people don't make it in. And so to be caught up in it at such a young age, like I'm like, I'm a teacher. So I'm like, why aren't you in school? Or are they still in school? Do they have enough time for school? Like how tired are they all the time? What kind of meals do they get Mm -hmm. to eat? Like it's just, so I mean, it's. I, I couldn't believe yeah, that. Yeah, that's a really young age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, s- something else that we know is that for most trainees, schedules are very tight. They rarely get to leave the dorm and they rarely get to spend any time with friends or family. Uh, this is because training could take place as early as 6 a.m. and end as late as 9 p.m. And lots of times trainees would feel pressured or obligated to stay even later than that, which is like... That is, that's long, long day. You know, that's... That's way too long. Way too long. Mm -hmm. And so, at least at JYP, but this is probably true for other companies, the trainee building and dorms have, they're set up with these CCTV cameras everywhere. And so, they pretty much monitor what you're doing, making sure that you're staying within rules and regulation, that you're not taking naps or anything like that throughout the day when you should be training or eating food that you shouldn't be eating. So HO, he ended up saying that within a month, he found where all of the blind spots were Mm. in the dorm and the building so that he could just like take a little nap when he wanted to or like sneak in some junk food and eat that without being monitored. Wow. There's just no privacy. Yeah. There's no privacy. I can't imagine. I guess it's really because like when you sign with a company, especially like a big company where there's a lot of people trying to make it and this like K-pop industry is huge. And like you said, it's so fast paced. A trainee is really like part of the company, like almost company property where they invest so much time and like resources into you that, you know, they're Mm -hmm. just, they want to make sure that you're doing absolutely everything that is required of you, but to go as far as to Mm -hmm. literally not have any privacy or have slim to no privacy Mm -hmm. or a life outside of trainee world. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, Something else that occurs Uh, is monthly evaluations to see how much you've improved. Now, this definitely happened um, at JYP. This was HO's own um, experience, but he also said most systematic entertainment companies do this. Mm -hmm. The purpose of them are to show how much a person has improved and how passionate they are. So the company keeps track of each trainee every month to see if they should keep training them or if they should let them go. So that's just interesting. Like every single month you could be let go at the end of the month just because you weren't passionate enough. Yeah. Yeah. You get reevaluated every month. I mean, imagine how stressful that is. Yeah. If their skills haven't improved for 
two or three months in a row and they don't seem to be passionate or as passionate as they were, they let them go. And so once they let trainees go, they are constantly bringing new trainees in. And that is what creates this really toxic kind of competitive environment. And I think that is why even being in a dorm or just in these trainee buildings, like, yeah, you can make friends, but you're just constantly competing against one another. Mm -hmm. And you never know if you're going to really get let go or if you're making good progress or when you're going to debut. I know that's a big part of this. The stress is just not knowing. Yeah. And they don't really they don't really tell you during monthly evaluations, at least at JYP. They didn't allow trainees to sing songs in Korean and they had to sing songs in English. That's just so challenging because then they're like adding that language. They're having you sing in your second or third language. And that's so difficult. Yeah, which almost seems a little unnecessary because yeah. are they are they ever singing in English? Maybe like a few phrases, like part of a chorus or a sentence or something, but it's Korean pop. They sing in Korean, right? Unless it's a Japanese I, yeah, album or something. Yeah. I think it's just another skill that someone can bring mm-hmm. to a new group for them is being more, you know, adequate in English. Yeah, that's true. But after these monthly evaluations, they they did say that at least with JYP, there's like a good bright side to it. Like they had the trainees still like have these bonding times together. I think you mentioned it in the last uh run replay episode. Oh yeah, MT. Uh-huh. I think they do those. They celebrate birthdays. So with JYP, HO said that every month after these evaluations, they would have like a birthday party. And whoever's birthday it was that month, they would receive 5,001, which is equivalent to like 50 bucks. Nice. So I mean, like there's some upsides for sure. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it's strict and you've got to have the the passion and will. You really you really do. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. So that means that every single like K-pop idol that we see performing in any group, we should really respect them because they worked their fucking ass off to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Uh, So now we're going to talk kind of about how BTS came to be who they are today or how they formed into the group that they eventually debuted as. BTS was originally supposed to debut in 2010, but they actually had an entirely different lineup at that time besides Namjoon. And uh, we're not going to go super in-depth about all the other potential members because honestly, girl, I looked I read so much about it. It's honestly yeah. like a topic <laughs> in and of itself. It's worthy of its own episode. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably some drama in there. There's like, I mean, it was also difficult to know if a source was that reliable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely had a listener who suggested us talking about the original lineup of BTS. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's definitely worth its own episode. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, however, just some of the biggest names from the original lineup are Iron, um, aka Jung Hunchul, and he's a solo rapper now, and he was the original leader 
Um, also, Sue Wong of Boys Republic, Bean Zeno, who's also a solo rapper, and then a few members of the group Zeno T, which is formerly Top Dog. Um, and then everyone who was affiliated with BTS originally was a South Korean rapper. So many of them uh, are now respected in their own right, in their own uh, whatever they went on to after BTS. Uh, but they all were rappers at the beginning all of them mm -hmm. yeah and Namjoon was was a part of this line right Namjoon was the only one who was part of this group um of this original kind of BTS lineup yeah and uh he was the original Makne yeah which is just interesting yeah, yeah. so <laughs> of course Supreme Boy was also originally a member of um, BTS and we know that he left the group to work solely as a producer under Big Hit mm -hmm. um, but I kind of wonder why everyone else ended up leaving too like at least he stayed under Big Hit yeah um, but I don't really know why everyone else left no yeah I found some possible answers to that question in the research for this episode but there's a lot of people's stories to tell in order to fully answer it so if we hear from our listeners and they are interested we can do another episode on this bts original lineup like you said somebody else already suggested so yeah so you guys should reach out to us and give us some info because we're having a hard time finding like reliable yeah reliable any stuff. of you who were there at the time like 2013 or like were around or yeah. you know paying attention we'd mm -hmm. love to know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So let's talk about how the BTS we have today came together. Yeah. Um, we have gone over some of this information in our member episodes, which, by the way, we highly recommend you go listen to if you haven't. Yes. Um, so we're just going to give a little recap of what the boys were up to and how they ended up joining. So... This is in the order in which they joined that we're going to talk about them. To the best of our knowledge, it's really based off like Army Amino posts, Reddit threads, and firsthand accounts given by the members over the years. Yeah, and we should also say that like... I found conflicting like timelines on different amino posts and like different, you know, just different information out there. So if what you have, mm -hmm. what you know is not what we have, that might be okay. We might be wrong. But overall, through the different stories that connect, this is the most clear kind of joining that we could find. Yeah. Pre-debut is really kind of a blur. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of ARMY can relate to that. Yeah. It's just kind of a blur. There's not too much that we know about. Yeah. So, like we said, Namjoon had been with BTS since prior to 2010 um, when they were originally supposed to debut. He was an underground rapper before signing with Big Hit by the name of Runch Ronda. Um, and then when he signed with Big Hit, he selected the stage name Rap Monster. Uh, haven't heard that one in a while. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so before debut, he was busy, obviously, as a trainee with Big Hit to debut as BTS in 2010, working on rap, working on writing, uh, being a maknae. Yeah. <laughs> Before debut, he released 10 songs under his new uh, Rap Monster stage name. A few of those were Where You At, Something, 
and Roland, featuring the pre-debut members. So Yoongi was also an underground rapper in Daegu who moved to Seoul with nothing but a dream to become a top producer and make money um, from making music. So before signing on with Big Hit, life was pretty rough for Yoongi. He used to get scammed a fair amount for his music. People would just steal his beats and melodies and then never pay him back for it, which is like super shitty. Yeah. Um, he used to have to decide between a meal and transportation home. Uh, so he grew up in a home that wasn't as fortunate as other homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the money, the little money he had, he had to choose between those two, which is a really tough decision. He then auditioned with Big Hit um, when they were holding a round of auditions, and he finished second. So he was the second member to sign to BTS and with Big Hit, and sometime during the second half of 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he came out with six songs as... Sugar prior to pre-debut and a few standouts being Swagger and Dream Money. Yeah. And we should also mention that like as Big Hit was holding auditions, they were doing that because members of the formed BTS were leaving um, for various reasons. Right. So somebody left they held Mm -hmm. auditions they were replaced by Yoongi. Yeah. Um, This is also similar to how Hosok ended up joining yeah. BTS. Uh, we know that he was previously well known in the dance community and he danced with the group Neuron. And we also know that he was a trainee under JYP before he left to audition for Big Hit, which I guess if he was a trainee under JYP, that means that he signed a contract. So for him to leave that contract, he would have had to pay JYP back for basically all that they had invested in him. So that's interesting. Unless it was about it, unless he was a trainee for over a year. Mm. I think every year you sign a new contract as a trainee. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So potentially he could have been with them for like a year or so and like his contract was up. Or he could have broken it. I don't, you know, I don't know, really. I mean, yeah, we we really have no way of knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did audition for Big Hit, and he officially joined on the 24th of December in 2010. And we know this because this date was on his racing helmet in Dope, which is like, uh, wow. How cool. I know. Yeah. They put all these subliminal messages in. <laughs> I know. Why the fuck do they do that? <laughs> Um, anyways, so he moved into the dorm soon after that, and he was originally going to be a dancer and a singer, but their training continued and they decided that he would be better suited for rap. Yeah, but he's a great singer too. I mean, for sure. Um, You know what I was listening to all morning and singing all morning? hmm. Was Otsukare Samadeshita, that song that him and Yoongi made. Oh, yeah. Like, I just love him singing in that song it's just that performance is legendary i love it it. (laughs) (laughs) um so when jungkook was in seventh grade he auditioned for the show superstar k2 and he was highly sought after by multiple entertainment companies because he didn't make it through, I suppose, to the final round. Mm -hmm. And one of the major companies, well, Big Hit wasn't a major company, but one of the companies that was seeking him was Big Hit. And he obviously ended up joining. Uh, He joined on April 24th of 2011. 
And for this one, the date was on his police baton in Dope. So then in the summer of 2012, he traveled to L.A. and practiced dance at Movement Lifestyle, which is a well-known dance academy. And so going back to when we were talking about what trainee life is like and what happens after you audition, mm-hmm. he was well-versed in singing. So I suppose they, they saw that he needed to, to learn how to dance. And so they sent him to L.A., which is a huge investment for yeah, a big hit to do. For sure. But well worth it. I mean, he is a part of the dance line. Um, so <laughs> there he learned uh, like an urban dance style and studied under many famous choreographers. And he learned how to put emotion into his dance. Before debut, he came out with two songs with Namjoon called Like a Star and Waterfalls. So... The information that we have on Suk Jin's life before BTS is pretty vague. Um, It's rumored, though, that he was an endorsement model. Um, In our episode about him, we said that he was street casted by SM Entertainment and he thought that it was a joke. So he didn't go to the audition. Yeah, he thought it was a scam. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> street casting is basically like when an entertainment scout is just looking at people out on the street trying to find somebody who they think has the right looks and might have a talent that they can put in their agency. I would have thought that was a scam. If someone came up to me, I'd be like, what? No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. Um, so later on, he was also apparently street casted by Big Hit. And, uh, you know, he was just so stunning that Big Hit pursued him as he got onto public transit or something. I don't know. It sounds like a K drama to me. I mean, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this, it's like a. I mean, he is stunning. A, true completely accurate it's a it's a very great like little meet cute between Jin and B, and like big hit big uh, hit yeah <laughs> but something that just sticks out to me is that through this research i found out that he was good friends with and remains to be very good friends with a former bts member uh who is Jin Yosang of Zeno T um so this would make sense that Jin might have found out about bts through him and was able able to join kind of as people were leaving and he thought okay well let me find out about this group there's also some sort of rumors or a possibility that he was already signed under big hit but he was just signed as an actor and they brought him on to bts because they saw that he could fit in with the group so varying conflicting stories Regardless of the real story, our Worldwide Handsome officially joined BTS sometime around summertime in 2011. Yes, what a blessing. (laughs) So Young, as we discussed in his episode, has a very interesting story. He went to a big hit audition to support his friend who was trying out. So Young had no intention of being a singer or trying out for a K-pop group or anything like that. But he went to support his friend. However, when he was there, his uniqueness was spotted by big hit staff and he was coerced into auditioning. And Big Hit, of course, signed him under BTS, but kept him as a hidden member until teaser photos were released. And he joined shortly after. 
Sakjin. And we know that he joined after Sakjin because there was a story about them meeting when Taeyong first moved into the dorms. Um, couldn't really find any specifics on that. Uh, we think maybe Jin thought he was annoying at first. We're not too sure. <laughs> um, but there's kind of a story between them. Yeah, just something about like Young thinking that he didn't make a good first impression on Jin when he first entered or something like that. But it's super, super hard to find any details or like where this kind of quote came from. It's just kind of out there floating around. So... Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. But what's interesting is that Young ended up getting called back with Big Hit, even though he wasn't even there to audition. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's a part of BTS and it's great. And, and amazing. And yeah. 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 <laughs> so Jimin was the last to join BTS. And we know that he went to a performing arts school in Busan and was part of the modern dance department there. He was like top of his class. Um, He worked very hard. Like everybody who like had anything to say about him at that school just had great things to say about him. Um, He was encouraged by a teacher to audition for an entertainment company. So he traveled to Seoul and auditioned for Big Hit. Looking for the last piece of their puzzle, Big Hit brought him on as the final member, although he was completely untrained in singing. He had no singing or rapping experience at all. Remember at the beginning of BTS, it was supposed to be just a hip hop group. They were mainly focused on rapping and dance. And so BTS and Big Hit really took a chance on him and trusted that he would work hard, which he did. We know Mm -hmm. that over the years he's trained and worked really hard to improve his singing. And it's something that he's still working on, but he's definitely, definitely improved. Um, So sometime in the first half of 2012 was when Jimin joined and he was only a trainee for about a year before debut in the fall of 2013 so yeah I mean we went from like Namjoon before even 2010 being there and then Jimin our final piece of our puzzle getting there um sometime halfway through 2012 yeah I mean there's a lot of trainees who train from for like five six years long time so one year that is not a short yeah super short yeah. So next, we're going to talk just briefly about their pre-debut video logs. We really actually kind of forgot about this, that they had these video logs until like, what, 30 minutes before we did the podcast? <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh my God, how could we forget these? So Seriously. we're just going to briefly touch on them. So we'll talk about the first few video logs. Um, there's so many amazing ones with so many great moments, but we just can't fit it all in. Maybe a future episode if you guys want it. Oh, yeah. Um, but we'll just briefly talk about it because this is this is what really, you know, armies who are just getting to know BTS, uh, this is them talking to us via these logs. Yeah, I think this could definitely be a future episode because there's like some gems within all of these like 40 videos. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. classic lines that they say. Yeah. <laughs> so... RM, his first log was January 8th of 2013. And also, I'll talk a little bit about what he said on January 13th, because they're both kind of like similar in what he talks about. Okay. So just have to point out that Namjoon at this time has dreads. <laughs> Change your hair. Um, he, he said that he's in the producing room like a rapper should be. 
um, but that it wasn't going very well that day because he's hungry and tired and just wants to go home. And he even says that he can't eat at this late of hour. It's about midnight when he recorded this. Mm -hmm. And he said if he eats, he'll gain weight. Mm. So, I mean, that just goes back to, like, this trainee mindset because he hadn't debuted yet. And so they they work hard. It's midnight. He's hungry. He's tired. He's producing. He's worried about his diet, you know. Um, But he shares with us that... Uh, he actually visited with a friend or a couple friends who also rap and produce. And he had them listen to recent stuff that he wrote. And they said that he sounds less harsh than he used to be. And hmm. he kind of acknowledges this. And this is kind of a big a big thing with the rap line, really, especially RM and Yoongi at the beginning of debut because they were supposed to be this hip-hop group. And then they kind of became K-pop and idols. And that was uncomfortable, I think, for both of them. Yeah. But RM says that he is starting to become more comfortable with the idea of pop music and that he wants to make his rap satisfying to the general public along with enthusiasts. Mm. Which, I mean, he has. He did. Mm-hmm. He made that change. He made mm-hmm. that change. Yeah. He adapted. But he had to go yeah. through that. Yeah. He had to adapt kind of like the music style that he wanted to have. And he got a lot of shit for it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So Jin's first log was on January 24th. And he doesn't really, it's literally like a minute long. He really just says, like, it's cold out. I'm eating soup to stay warm. Please stay warm and healthy. (laughs) And then he also exposes Jimin as a member. He says that I'm going to expose Jimin today. So uh, be waiting for Jimin. So this is before, like, all of their promo pictures came out. Uh, People didn't really necessarily know that there was a Jimin. So then the next day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So then the next day (laughs) (laughs) on January 25th, Jimin did his first video log and he was nervous. He didn't really quite know what to say or what to talk about. He said that the previous day their Twitter had just become active and the fans were like already making fan art, which is like. Wow. Thank you, those fans who were there from literally day one. I know. So special. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the next one that I want to talk about is just a Valentine's Day one that came out in 2013. And it was a joint vlog between Jimin and Jungkook. And the best part about this is that they are playing fucking problem by ASAP Rocky in the background. Yeah. Like literally like two seconds into the video, you just hear funny. I love bad bitches with my fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um but like they discuss chocolate that they got and Jungkook got two, but Jimin only got one and he was like, I'm okay with getting one because after the New Year's, I'm such a pig. Like he was talking about that he gained weight and so he was dieting. And that goes back to like the thing, like what Namjoon said too. It's like they're being so like hyper concerned, like that you can't even, you can Mm -hmm. have one piece of chocolate, but you can't have two. Like that's just, yeah, that sucks too. I know, especially with debut being so sick soon yeah right i mean they're they know they're about to debut so i bet they're even more cautious of what they're eating and what they're doing Mm -hmm. yeah um so another one that i want to just talk about is 
Yungi's first log, which was on the 17th of February of that 2013 year. And what's awesome about this, this is his first log and he's like trying to say hi. He's just, he's trying to talk about something, but he never gets to it because Namjoon is in the background playing music and freestyle rapping about Yoongi making a log and distracting him and just being loud and like making (laughs) fun of him. They're smiling and having fun and like laughing and Yoongi is even like basically being like shut up, but he's not actually mad. He's like, laughing yeah they're just like being little shits together which is really fun to see Yoongi and Namjoon interacting in this way yeah especially so early on um uh-huh yeah but uh we do know from that video that they were working on a song together that day wow so neat so mm-hmm. neat to see them in these in these early years so J-Hope, I believe this is his first log. I could be wrong, but he did one on March 24th of 2013. And so he goes in with the intention of sharing with ARMY what BTS is up to, but he kind of is like, I don't really know what we're up to. So he gets on like Navier and like searches BTS. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like starts to read the the comments and letters that fans are writing on their fan cafe. And it's so sad because he says no one had written him anything yet. Mm. Like they had directly written to Jimin and Namjoon. um, But he said that he hadn't seen any for himself. Um, Out of their 899 followers on Fan Cafe. 899. Oh my god. They have millions now. I can't believe nobody had written to him. That's awful. I know. It made me so sad. Yeah. So, so sad. Um, But he like handled it really well. Like he looked hurt, but he was like, it's okay. Like it's gonna be okay. (laughs) Of course. Our hope. Of course. Uh, so then Young's first log comes after they de- their debut because he was a hidden member. And his first log is kind of sad because he's basically talking about how he's been a hidden member and he hasn't been able to do his own log yet. And that he said that he was actually in past blogs where all the members were together. He just stood in the corner of the room behind the camera and just like <laughs> watched them do these logs. No. Like, so sad. That's so sad. Um, but he was really cute on his first log. So basically what we want you guys to know is that the video logs acted as the first means of communication between BTS themselves and ARMY um, even before they debuted. And it helped ARMY kind of get to know each of the members and like some of their personality before debut debut besides you know Young again yeah yeah yeah. okay so the next thing we're going to talk about is really interesting is just their pre-debut songs so as a group before debut they were expected to make music together and work collaboratively with one another and so we're going to just tell you guys about some of the songs that they made before debut but we'll focus on the ones that provided insight to idol and trainee life. Mm-hmm. So they did a few small group songs first, 
For example, Jimin, Jungkook, and J-Hope covered Young, Wild, and Free by Wiz Khalifa and named it Graduation Song. Yeah, and there was no Young because he was a secret member, so he was right. hidden. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then also Jin, Suga, and RM covered Drank by Kendrick Lamar and changed it to School of Tears, which is a song about backwards society. And hearing Jin in that song is very strange to me. I don't know why. I have a hard time watching this video. <laughs> um, but eventually we see that BTS, they end up doing songs all together mm-hmm. where all the members are a part of the song. So one of the big ones that we've talked about several times on this podcast is Born Singer. Um, so if you don't know already, Born Singer is a song that they still perform every once in a while, but only for very special events. It has such beautiful lyrics that address the the struggles of pursuing your dreams while knowing that singing is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like it's your calling. God, I love that song. Yeah, um, no. yeah it's a special <laughs> song for them. Mm-hmm. And for ARMY. Yeah, and for ARMY. Um, okay, so another song that they did are is... We Are Bulletproof Part 1. And uh, just one of the first lyrics of this song is, quote, history in the making. Like, <laughs> yep, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they really <laughs> didn't know, but they, like, th- it's just funny that they said it because they're so humble and they were probably just like, we're saying it because this is our pre-debut song and, like, whatever, you know, we're going to have all this bravado Mm -hmm. but they really did and are making history um anyways so in this (laughs) in this song Jin raps and there is some extreme Young and Jimin growling and uh the rap line verses low-key slap like they are so good especially Yoongi and Hosok's verse like when it got to their verses I was like oh shit okay like I mean it it, Mm -hmm. it was really good really pleasant to listen to yeah <laughs> so then another song that they did was a typical idols christmas so it's bts's version of last christmas and it uses the chorus and some of the melody from the classic wham christmas song uh last christmas so it sounds like a christmas song however lyrically it is so not christmas at all <laughs> no not at all <laughs> Uh, But sidebar, traditionally, I really hate Last Christmas by Wham. Like, I always avoid it if it comes on. I'm like, it's not a Christmas song. It's not a fucking Christmas song. It's a sad song. It's a, like, love song, right? Kind of? Yeah, it's like a broken heart. Yeah, okay. But it just, it it (laughs) will get stuck in my head for, like, 10 years. And even now, it's stuck in my head just because we had to talk about it for this episode. And it'll probably (laughs) be stuck in my head until next week when we record. I just hate it. I don't oh, know. goodness. Okay. I got you. I got yeah. you. I don't mind it. <laughs> um, so pre-debut BTS was pretty much, they were really savage in their lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like it's really shocking, especially since they're in the pre-debut stages. Um, so they're really bringing out the big guns to say what they were feeling during that time. Yeah. Uh, What was interesting is that they started out by calling their boss indifferent and saying that they never allow them a dinner outing like everyone else. So I'm assuming I'm assuming like trainees at other companies, like we said, uh, sometimes they would go on MT. So basically 
BTS is saying they never get to do that. Um, They also Mm -hmm. compare their condition to being in the army, saying that they're bunched together with little or no space of their own and either practicing or sitting alone in a corner. And it's interesting that they to me, it's interesting that they say this lyric like sitting alone even though all of BTS is there, like everybody is practicing or whatever. So to me, it just kind of tells us that they weren't all that close at that time, which is understandable. They've gone through a lot more. Or missing their friends from high school or from their their family and their hometown. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. They say that they're lonely in, in the December weather, lonely because the lack of a girlfriend and so they go on to criticize the dating constraints of idols saying quote we can't love so how do we write love songs um which like yeah definitely yeah and so the chorus the the main part of the chorus there they say quote the company keeps telling me to practice i spent my whole my whole day practicing i'm crying i'm still a trainee I really want to debut next year. And so this, I think, is like that whole tormenting of never really knowing when you're going to debut. Why am I still a trainee? I've been doing this for six years. Am I ever going to make it? Are they going to drop me tomorrow? Are they going to sign me tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. And also just like, I feel like those two... Uh, lines like we can't love so how do we write love song lyrics and I'm crying I'm still a trainee I really want to debut I feel like those are so poignant for us to kind of look at and inspect how they were feeling at that time it's I just think it's interesting that they were allowed to share that kind of negative aspect of it during the second verse Namjoon talks of wanting to build a snowman and he even says our company our boss I really don't like any of you and then he says I miss my mom it's like damn I mean yeah they're like you said they're they're missing their friends and their family and they at times can feel like they don't even like anyone that they're around right then Mm-hmm. And their company is denying them yeah. talking or even seeing their own mother yeah. or father yeah. or siblings and friends. And well, it's not even that like their company is denying that from them. It's just because of the amount of work that they have to do for the company, for their training, for their dream, they cannot afford the time to They're go just do busy. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But through this, the busyness of the company and schedule, like they're denied being able the opportunity to see friends and family. Right. Um, something else that's interesting in this song is that they even sample Bang Siyuk, which is like Hitman Bang, uh, from his cringy like Ayo Hitman Bang introduces like that video. Um, that video mm-hmm. is when he's advertising a second audition for Big Hit. And that second audition was actually when Yoongi auditioned. Um, so this little sample in the song comes right before Yoongi's verse. So it's just interesting. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's funny that they use it in the song. Like they're kind of making fun of him a little bit. And like, I wouldn't just say that out of nowhere. Um, but like BTS has made fun of this video multiple times in like little yeah. clips and over and over. Yeah, over and over. Mm-hmm. Um like an ongoing joke. Mm-hmm. But we love a lot of things about yeah. this song. Yeah. Yeah. We love that BTS was given the freedom to write whatever they wanted. 
uh, they essentially dragged the trainee life, talking about just a few of the struggles that that came with signing to a company. Mm -hmm. And this is important because their creative voices were not stifled. They were able to talk truthfully about the CEO and publish a song that is just has this negative attitude even before they debuted, which to me is just insane because being a part of a company, a big part of it is being obedient and respectful towards the company. And that, you know, that big hit allowed this to allow them to to write this because it's how they were feeling. Yeah. And I I think that it's just like that is a nod to the type of company that Big Hit is. Although we can say like, Mm -hmm. yes, they're overworked or they used to live in this tiny dorm, which we're about to talk about or whatever. Like we've seen through like Burn the Stage and just other things over the years and videos and interviews and whatever that Big Hit really does care about these boys and they really do like mm-hmm. want them to be able to have like that creative freedom to say what they want to say and they're not going to get in trouble for it or be stifled by it um so yeah I mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that aspect um I think what's interesting mm-hmm. is it also gives us insight into how BTS themselves perceive their lives around Christmas in 2012 um, we can kind of tell that they were hopeful to debut uh, but not easily adjusting to what it means to be an idol and also they were reminiscing of the things that they gave up to be there and it's also clear to us that at this time they were just so tired um, and were constantly training and practicing because they felt like debut was so eminent or they hoped at least yeah 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 all right. So next, we're going to talk about their living conditions mm-hmm. and and really the early stages, like pre debut, right at debut, what their living conditions were like. So their for, their first dorm, they lived in while trainees, and it originally slept nine people, and they moved there in winter of 2010. And they lived there until sometime around 2012. But for this dorm, we don't have any pictures or videos of the dorm. So we can't really describe what it looked like or what the life there was like for them. Right. But I do have two stories to tell about it that I or two stories that happened there as I that I uncovered during research. Um, So the first one's very short. It's just the the first meeting between Hosok and Yoongi. Um, so obviously Yoongi was already there at the dorms. And when Hosok came in, the first person that he was greeted by was Yoongi. And he was just in his boxers. Very nonchalant, but mm-hmm. literally like no wearing no shirt, no pants, no shoes no or anything. Clothes, really, no clothes, yeah. just <laughs> boxers and just yeah. very nonchalant yeah. about it. Um, so mm-hmm. that's one thing that happened. Um, another thing, I love this story. This is like the 2012 New Year's fried chicken story. So the way that the story goes is that Hobie was alone in the dorm and everybody else had gone home for New Year's for uh, to spend it with their family. So he was pretty sad and he was pretty lonely. And I guess he like texted in their group chat or Yoongi texted him or something. But Yoongi ended up coming back to the dorm with fried chicken and beer for them to have and to s- just spend the evening together. And so he wouldn't have to be alone. Yeah. 
So incredible that he did this. Yeah. So Hobie was so touched when uh, Yoongi had come to bring him this fried chicken and beer. And he said he was so touched that he would have fallen for Yoongi if he was a girl. And therefore, Soap was born. <laughs> From the so beginning. all you Soap stands, I'm sure, know about this, I'm sure. this fried chicken story. Yeah. Yeah. So their second dorm or their debut dorm was moved into in 2012. And so this was Jin and Jimin's first dorm. Jin had probably been with the company prior to his move-in. However, he still lived with his parents since he's from Seoul. So we do see a good amount of footage of their second dorm from the first episode um, that they were on, Rookie King. Mm -hmm. And so right when the cameraman walks in, you can see all of their shoes just kind of lazily thrown and placed on this shoe organizer. And they're just like spewing out onto the floor. And the man who's giving the commentary on Rookie King said that the dorm smelled like men's passion. Oh, gross. And I don't know what men's passion smells like, but I, I don't think it smells good. Mm-mm, I don't want to smell that. <laughs> uh, um, so, I mean, it's seven men living in this tiny ass dorm. Yeah. It's basically like a two bedroom apartment. Um. The, the family yeah. room has a lot of their laundry drying racks along with a very small tube style television and a random assortment of kind of the members collectible and personal items. The kitchen is very small. They have cream colored cabinets and counters and there's literally like no counter space. I would say little to mm-hmm. none because all of the counter space is taken up by the microwave and the rice cooker. Like a really small kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And they all shared one bedroom. So there were three rows of these light wooden bunk beds that they slept in that had like these little these little ladders going up to the, the bunk. Jungkook's bed, however, was the only one that was a single bed, and it was placed in the, like, front corner of the room near the window. Mm-hmm. And in this footage, you can see on the windowsill that there's this large framed black and white photo of Jungkook, <laughs> like, next to his bed. And I feel like this just has to be a joke between the members and him, because, like, who has a black Why and white else? photo framed above their bed of themselves? Yeah, like, <laughs> it has to be. Um, yeah, yeah. But it... From what we gathered, it looks like Yoongi, Taeyang, and Jin slept on top bunks. And then J-Hope, Namjoon, and Jimin slept on bottom bunks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one bathroom that they shared, they shared one bedroom and one bathroom. Um, so the bathroom, no. I know, right? Like, no, uh, seven, <laughs> just seven of any humans and one bathroom, but this is like seven men, one bathroom, literally so small, literally Ugh. no counter space. There is one standalone sink. It's one of those round sinks that doesn't have any counter like attached to the sink. Um, there's a mirror mm-hmm. above it. And then there's a, there appears to be a tub shower in the background and just like a toilet. And that's it. Um, coming off of the, mm-hmm. the living room, there's a closet area. And this just has racks of clothing going on both sides. And everything just looks like cluttered 
and a little bit messy around the dorm, but really it's just that it's really small to have seven boys living in it with their stuff. And it's just not much room to hold all of their clothes and personal items. Um, But we're going to link the video. It's like a two minute video or something from this 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 show where it's footage of this dorm we're gonna link it because it's kind of fun and funny so you guys need to watch it yeah yeah Yeah. it's just interesting to see them back in 2013 Mm -hmm. (laughs) um in comparison to now for sure uh they've definitely upgraded several different dorms Mm -hmm. since then So real quickly, we're just kind of going to go over why idols live in dorms because this really isn't a thing in like America. Um, I don't know about other countries, but it's just like it's just an interesting part of the K-pop culture. Um, So there is several reasons to why companies have dorms for their trainees and to continue to have their groups live together even after debut. So during training, trainees need to be living in Seoul because because that's where their company lies. And in order to attend events and practices and training, they need to be in Seoul. Mm-hmm. And many trainees are not from Seoul. They're like from all over. I mean, some of them are from the U.S. Some of them are from Thailand. And so they need to be in Seoul. So they have these dorms for them. And then a lot of times they're too young to be able to afford housing or to be able to sign for themselves for housing. Mm -hmm. So in order for companies to train their younger and soon to be idols, the doors are just seen as an investment to provide housing for them in Seoul. And trainees, they don't get paid while they're training, but they're offered free housing, food, and lessons through the company. Uh, something else to add is that companies also monitor their trainees, like we've kind of talked about for things such as diet, exercise and behavior. So with them all living in the same place in a dorm together allows the company to maintain that tight schedule, have them close to all the practice studios and monitor what they're doing to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be. Um, so sometimes managers even live in the dorms with them. And one of mm-hmm. one of the many reasons why they have members continue to live together after they are no longer trainees um, and even after they like debut is really for convenience. Um, the schedule of an idol is packed with fan signs, promotions, practice, additional singing and dance lessons, and even things like hair and makeup takes a ton of time. Um, so having the mm-hmm. members all in one location makes it very easy and convenient to take them and uh, to bring them to and from their company events and for them to stay on schedule, which I mean, honestly, is a really good mm-hmm. idea because like with BTS, a seven person group, especially people who are like always late, like Jimin, I mean, if he didn't live with <laughs> all the other people, I bet he would be holding them up all the time and they just cannot live like that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then so another more obvious reason to why they continue to live together is just gaining teamwork and bonding. So living together with that many people, I mean, is not easy. Even having just one roommate is just really difficult. And so it creates an environment where the members essentially have to learn to be respectful and understanding with one another in addition to being able to problem solve through disagreements. Mm-hmm. So really having them live together bonds them and creates this this working team. And sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it does, but 
but I, I know that with BTS, it's it's definitely worked and they continue to to live together. Yeah. And I think that even five years now after they debut, they still enjoy living together. Um, Jungkook mm-hmm. has said in an interview, I think sometime last year that like he, you know, he hopes that they would continue to live together for a long time. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know, most K-pop groups live together for a while. Eventually, after five or six years of living together, they go to live on their own. But for BTS, there's no knowing when or if that will happen. We do know that in this past year, they moved to a new place, uh, meaning they intend to keep living together for now. They moved into these amazing luxury apartments called Hanum Hill. And uh, this is like where all of the top celebrities and idols who live in Seoul, this is like where they live. So last year, it was reported mm-hmm. that a unit there sold for 80 billion won, which is about 75 million uh, dollars, United States dollars. So that's just yeah. just to put it into perspective. A these are a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> very big, luxurious uh, apartment condo things that they're living in now. Okay, so now that we've talked a fair amount of their pre-debut, uh, we're really just gonna wrap this whole episode up with talking about when they did debut. So BTS, they finally debuted. Three years after it was originally supposed to debut with these six new members. And it was quite difficult for them right at the beginning. During the first few years, Big Hit as a company, they lacked the power they needed to get BTS known in the K-pop industry. Mm -hmm. And so this led to less exposure in the media and on broadcasts and difficulty in, you know, basically earning a seat at the table with this small little company that isn't known or hasn't had any really well-known groups prior to this. Yeah, that definitely made it really difficult for them. And they felt like right after they debuted, if it was, you know, I'm sure they felt like if it was even worth it because they just weren't getting any attention. Um, For example, in Mm -hmm. 2013, No More Dream had just over 6,000 average views per day on YouTube. Um, So I -hmm. went and compared that to BTS's 2017 release of DNA, which to me is before their peak popularity, in my opinion. I think they got bigger once Tear came out. Um, So that song in 2017, on average, earned over 2 million views per day on YouTube. So, Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a huge jump. Yeah, from four years, they went from 6,000 views per day to 2 million. And uh, it's shocking. It's a huge jump. And obviously, all of their hard work, do we have to say it? How many times have we said that, like, everything (laughs) they've done, it's paying off? Yeah, yeah, they've come so so far Mm -hmm. since then and even when they were trainees up until now they continue to work ruthlessly to to continue to entertain us provide us with the best music and choreography and they just work work so hard Mm -hmm. for army um and they just have not faltered or become cocky or or anything like that over these these past years they've definitely become more confident um, but they are just still so humble yeah. and they've come so far and they continue to work hard. So really to just kind of look over everything here from 2010 
is when Nam June signed with Big Hit um, with this totally different lineup with B- for BTS. And then having those other members in the original lineup leave and then Yoongi eventually joining and signing mm-hmm. on. Then Hosok joining along with Jungkook, this golden maknae. Mm-hmm. And then Seok Jin with his visuals and Young, who wasn't even aspiring to be a K-pop artist. And then lastly, Jimin, this amazing beautiful dancer this like classically trained dancer joined and they just created this ultimate group really (laughs) I don't even think they or Big Hit knew what was to come from from Bantan Soyeon so I just am so so proud I could get emotional about it I just in that last little line you just said I'm gonna get (laughs) emotional like Yes, like, <laughs> they didn't even know. They had no idea. Yeah. Um, Like, BTS, yeah. as we know it, they have been eating, sleeping, and training and working together for the past six years. And some members have been around even longer than that. And so we're just so grateful that over that time, they've become a family and that they've become brothers and people that are just Mm -hmm. the most wonderful people in the world. And they've also become some of the the biggest artists in the world today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. Incredible. incredible. This episode was so great. It was so heavily researched. And hopefully you guys learned a thing or two or just... We're able to reflect on on how far BTS has come and and what like what kind of hardships they went through even just in the pre debut stages. Yeah. And also, you know, not saying that we are or that you have to stand TXT just because it's a big hit group. Um, Of course not. But, you know, I think this was interesting to kind of look back on what BTS went through during their training or what a typical trainee might go through just thinking in support of TXT as they are about to debut. And I'm very curious to see more members of the group revealed and just kind of see where they go and what they do. I'm excited to hear their music. Yeah. I'm very excited to too. to hear their music and learn about them and and what they all uh what their different talents and skills yeah. are. Yeah. Me too. Um so you guys, cool. wow. That's uh <laughs> that's our trainee episode whatever we end up titling it no idea but um (laughs) yeah we have no idea what we're gonna title it (laughs) uh so if you liked this episode and if you've liked any of our other episodes first of all of course again thank you for being here and for listening and for supporting us in all the ways that you do um we would love to hear from you and actually i think this is a good time to tell you guys that in a Uh, In a month for February 14th, Valentine's Day, our Valentine's Day episode, uh, it's going to that's a Thursday. So that's when an episode will come out. We want to do another um, being an army episode. We want to share your stories again. Yes, yes. Um, So start Mm -hmm. sending those in to us. We want to hear about your army story or really just if you have anything, even if you've sent us something before. Um, we want to share your guys' stories because we love doing that episode. And you guys, when we talked about it on our 50th, you guys gave us feedback that you would love to hear it again. So send us mm-hmm. your being an army stories, what it's like for you to be an army, how you discovered BTS. Um, if you have any special concert stories or like connections, send those to us at our Gmail, standingbtspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can just make the subject line like something like being an army and we will 
hopefully be able to add you in there. Um, on top of that, if you guys want to uh, connect with us on any other social media, we love hearing from you guys. We love talking with you. Uh, we're really active on Twitter and on Instagram. We're semi-active on our Facebook. We just kind of post on there, but we don't really respond. Um, but you can find links mm -hmm. for all of those as well as for our email in the description. And again, if you'd like to support us additionally through Patreon or PayPal, you can find those as well. So reach out to us, let us know, email us your being an army story, find links for all of that in the description. In the description. Thanks for listening and thanks for standing BTS.